Right. Good evening. Welcome to Random Bible Thoughts with Russ. Tonight's study is the continuation of John as I work my way through it. Do a little John, do a little something else, do a little John, do a little something else. But I'm working my way through it. And tonight we're on John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40. Here's the verse, the scripture verses, and everything I uh, normally quote as far as scripture verse is out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, unless I state otherwise, and I'll normally try and make sure I state if I'm quoting something else. Oh, it's always the ESV. Okay, here's the scripture verse for tonight. John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them... You have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. This is Jesus speaking. This is a continuation of the previous study about the witness that Jesus has that is true. That witness is God the Father. And verse 39a, as we Go in here and take these, these verses apart a little bit. In verse 39a, you search the scriptures because you think in them you will have eternal life. They, that is the Jewish leadership, and may also reference some of the common Jews that aren't in the leadership, but uh, knew and searched scriptures, to find eternal life in them. They search the scriptures to find eternal life in them. And they were the keepers of the law, primarily the keepers of the law. Their flaw in law keeping is no one can keep the law perfectly. You can't have eternal life through law keeping. I'll get into why that is. Romans 3.20 For by works of the law, that is law keeping, no human being or the footnotes as flesh will be justified in the sight in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin and i'll talk about that a little bit more here down some because the law becomes the knowledge of sin you are not justified through law keeping the keeping of the law of god does not save us it does not even justify us as i just mentioned before the father all our righteousness, we are told by the prophet Isaiah, are as filthy rags. All our righteousness to try to keep the law, law-keeping righteousness through law-keeping, is like filthy rags. All of our righteousness. Romans, uh, no, sorry, Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away in romans 8 3 through 4 for god has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of simple flesh And for sin, or the footnotes, or 
as a sin offering. So let me read that again. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Oh, well, the scripture continues on. In order that the righteous requirements of law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you're trying to walk in the law, and I still have more to hear. Let me just hold off a second, because I think I got this covered already. James 2.10, For whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point of it, has become guilty of all of it. So if you fill in one point of the law, you filled the whole law. Well, we see, what well, we can see in these verses that law keeping doesn't save us. It shows us our sin. The scriptures, they are refer, searching for eternal life would be the Old Testament. I will give further definition of what their Old Testament was a little further down. And is, yeah, okay. They search the fullest possible meaning from its word because they believe that the very study itself would bring them life. But they missed the mark. They missed what the scriptures were pointing to. Verse 39b, and it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Now remember, this is Jesus speaking. So when Jesus says the scriptures bear witness about me, he is talking about the Old Testament scriptures, or as I will get into it, the Tanaka, which is the Jewish Bible, Jewish Old Testament. Those scriptures, it's all they had then. Jesus didn't have the New Testament. Now, he only had what was the Old Testament, the Tanaka. And I'll get more into depth in that here in just a moment. The mark they missed was that scripture pointed to Jesus and through Jesus is eternal life. So they didn't see that. They were watching for that. They were looking, studying scripture to find eternal life in it. But what they missed was the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the eternal life. The Bible's witness to Jesus did not begin in the Gospels. In fact, a common thread runs throughout the pages of the Bible from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. Quite honestly, I don't know how you can understand the New Testament without having the Old Testament to correspond or correlate or be a commentary to the New Testament. Scripture itself is its own best commentary. I, I just It irks me when people say, oh, I don't read the Old Testament, I just read the New Testament. Well, you know, Christ is throughout the Old Testament. And the New Testament. He's part of the Old Testament and the New Testament. You can't read one without reading the other to get a full understanding of what God's Word says in its complete context. I'd be like picking up a, a book, Moby Dick, say. And you read the first chapter and you read the last chapter. But you don't read nothing in between. So how would you get from A to B? You don't know. 
Well, scripture's kind of like that too. You got to read A, you got to read B, and everything in between to get the full context. I'm sorry. It does get me riled up though. Luke 24, 7. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, that is Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. And again, all they had was the Old Testament. Not the New Testament. So as Jesus is telling them what the scripture is saying about himself, he's talking about the Old Testament. The complete Jewish Bible marks, uh, says it like this. Luke 24, 7, complete Jewish Bible. Then starting with Moshe and all the prophets, he, that is Jesus, explained to them the things that can be found before them throughout the Tanaka concerning himself. What is the Tanaka? This is the following explanation of what the Tanaka is through the contentauthority.com. In verse 39 of John 5, and here in Luke and other verses of Scripture, is talking about Old Testament called the Tanaka. The Hebrew Bible and the Christians, it's the Old Testament. The Tanaka encompasses a broader collection of sacred script texts within Judaism. The term Tanaka is an acronym derived from the Hebrew initials of its three main sections, the Torah, the Nevim, and the Ketavim. Ketavim, I think it's Ketavim. The Nevim, or, or the prophets, consists of historical accounts, prophetic messages, and teaching of various prophets who played a pivotal role in Jewish history. It includes books such as Joshua, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, among others. These writings provide insight into the spiritual and moral challenges faced by the Israelites, as well as the message of hope and redemption conveyed by the prophets. The Ketavim, or the writings, encompasses a diverse range of literary genres, including wisdom literature, such as Proverbs and Achilles. For some reason, I can't say it tonight. Ecclesiastics, steeds, poetry, such as Psalms, historical accounts, such as Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. These texts offer profound reflections on life. Um, yeah. Spirituality and human experience, providing readers with valuable insight and ethical teachings. While the Torah refers to the first five books of the Bible, Form the core of the Tanaka, the inclusion of the Nevim and the Ketavim expands the breadth of Jewish scripture, offering a more comprehensive understanding of Jewish history, spirituality, and wisdom. So when I speak of study scripture, so when I speak of scripture in this study, it's the Hebrew Bible, the Tanaka. From David Guzik, if their study of scripture was accurate and sincere, they would see that they spoke of the Messiah, God the Son. Their recognition of and behalf, belief upon Jesus was a measure of their 
true understanding of scripture. So they're, they're, uh, their true understanding of scripture wasn't that Christ was the Messiah. They were still, they were looking, <coughs> excuse me, they were looking for eternal life through law keeping, through the scriptures. But weren't paying attention to what the scripture was telling them. Verse 4, verse 40, excuse me, yet, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It is blessed to note the order of which Christ placed the three witnesses to which he appealed in proof of his equality with God. First was a witness of his own divine works. Second, there was a witness which the Father had borne to him through the prophets. Third, there was a testimony of the Holy Scriptures, written by men moved by the Holy Spirit, or as Scripture says, God breathed. Thus, in these three witnesses, there is remarkable reference made to each of the three persons in the Holy Trinity. The following is a portion of Don, Don Stewart's article, if Jesus was the Messiah, why did his people reject him? And you can find this article on the Blue Letter Bible website. And I use that quite a bit. It's a pretty good um, reference. So there were many factors that led the Jewish people to reject Jesus as their Messiah. It can be stated simply. They did not believe in him because they did not want to believe in him. And you see people today... I don't want to believe in Jesus. Whatever reason. They didn't believe in him because they did not want to believe in him. It is the same reason most people throughout history have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. It is not that they could not believe. It is that they would not believe. It is not that the people needed more evidence. It is that they didn't act upon the evidence that was already there, that they already have. There was corrupt leadership in Jesus' day. The religious leaders at the time of Jesus were corrupt. Their leadership was indicative of the spiritual state of the people. Though the people went through the proper rituals that God had commanded, their hearts were not in them. They were not the interested that interested in the truth of God. In other words, they were playing church. Oops, don't want to do that. They were playing church, and you see that today in people that go to church. They play church. They go, they sing, they quote scripture, or they, some ritual saying they do. Yeah, maybe they cite the disciples' prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, and say that ritualistically. Well, is it really coming from the heart? Do they really mean any of it? They really, when they go to church, are they there to hear God's word preached and be filled with the Spirit and be filled with the word of God? Or are they there to just go, oh, I did my duty. Oh, the football game starts in five minutes. Ethel, we need to leave. You know, 
that. Well, that's what the Jewish leadership was, were. And the leadership, and if you, you'll see this in your job and your work, that if your boss is down and grumpy all the time and always riding your butt, well, guess what's going to happen? That's going to flow downhill. You're going to be riding the butt of the person lower than you, and he's going to ride the butt of the person lower, and eventually he's going to get down to where there's nobody else to ride the butt, and he's going to quit. Or you're going to quit. That's how the leadership is. You you set the example. You, 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 um, I can't think of another word. The story of Lazarus illustrates their lack of interest in the truth. The New Testament provides many such examples of the religious leaders attempting to suppress the truth of God. A case in point is that of Lazarus. In the presence of the religious rulers, Jesus brought back Lazarus from the dead after Lazarus had been dead for four days. One would think that such a miracle would at least make them consider believing in Jesus as the Messiah. Because of their own testimony, they never saw anyone do such miracles. But discussing about what to do with Jesus, they decided to kill him. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. That's John 5, 11, 53. Rather than causing belief, it made them want to get rid of him. But it was not only Jesus they wanted to kill. Lazarus was walking around alive and living a living testimony to the power and credentials of Jesus. Therefore, the religious leaders wanted to kill Lazarus also. But the chief priests took counsel that they might also put Lazarus to death because on account of him, many Jews went away and believed in Jesus. That's in John 12, 10, and 11. Jesus speaking to his disciples summed up the state of the people. See, they do not see and hear. They do not hear. Well, let me back up. Jesus speaking to his disciples summed up the state of the people. Seeing they do not see and hear and they do not hear, nor do they understand. It's Matthew 13 something. I didn't put the other part of it. The basic reason the majority of the nation of Israel rejected Jesus is simply because they did not want to believe. Jesus claimed to be the promised Messiah, but was rejected by his people. The hearts of the people were hardened to the truth. In addition, there was a corrupt leader, religious leadership, who would not receive his claims. Therefore, it was the sin of the people that kept them from accepting Jesus as the promised one. They searched the scripture for eternal life. Missing the scriptures point to missing that scripture points to Jesus, the Messiah, for that life. Verse 48. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Going to end with a quote from Spurgeon. Jesus made it clear that having life is found in fulfilling the command, come to me. Christ is a person, a living person, full of power to save, has not, not placed his salvation 
and sacraments or books or priests, but he has kept it in himself. And if you want to have it, you must come to him. Their refusal to come to Jesus was despite their searching of the scriptures. As in John 5, 3, 4, they search scriptures, but they will not come to Jesus. It is not, therefore, a good thing to search scripture. Hey, hey, as this is spurted, A-Y-I. That is the mere, the more you search them, the better, but it is still not the thing. It is not the saving work. Searching scripture is not the saving work. You may be a Bible reader and yet perish, but this can never happen if you come to Jesus by faith. You can search the scriptures all you want. You can read all you want. The only going to have and find eternal life in Christ. Of course, searching scriptures, you may find that. But you have to find that looking with the right attitude. You don't do it as to be saved, because you can't be saved by works. You can't be saved by the law. It's a free gift from God. In their hardened heart, hardness of heart, they rejected the Son of God. God bless. Okay, upcoming, I have Nehemiah 9, verse 15. It was supposed to be longer, but it's only going to be Nehemiah 9, verse 15, because that study in itself is long enough. It will be a two-part study, and I'll get do that next week. I'll get it online here, probably. It's all done, all written out, but it, it turned out being longer than what I thought it might be, so therefore I'll do it in two parts, maybe uh, two 15, 20-minute parts. And then after that, I'll come back to John and continue with John from where I left off here, verse 41 through whatever. And then I'll go back and I think, let's see, I got a note here. I think I'm going to do a study called Hold Fast. It has to do with Genesis 2.24 where it says, A woman will leave her mother and father, a man, excuse me, a man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife or hold fast. What's that mean? So if you like my videos, please subscribe, give me a like, leave comments. Um, if there's some kind of thing you might want to uh, me to study and talk about, let me know and I'll be more than happy to do that. Again, I am not a theologian. I am just a student of the Bible and ambassador to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Have a good day.